When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The thing I love about podcasting, it's a diversion, right? So whatever's going on in anybody's day today, you have this podcast as a diversion. So, you know, it's Star Trek, right? That's what we love to talk about. That's what we love to explore. And I'm Bruce Gibson here on Positively Trek. And with me is our famous, wonderful, great co-host, Dan Gunther. How are you? Oh, I, I thought you were introducing someone else. I was like, oh, who has Bruce brought on? That's, <laughs> But thank you. Yes. No, uh, happy to be here as always. And yeah, I, I you know, I, I can't imagine anything else I'd be thinking about or doing today. So definitely happy to be talking about Star Trek. Wow. I do want to introduce our great and wonderful best co-host ever. Wow. To our other co-host, you're the best ever too. But we have Katie Nicolau here. Katie, how are you? <laughs> Hi. Oh, you know what, Dan? You still you got the best one. I'm 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 the best guest, maybe. <laughs> eh, no, <laughs> but I'll take the praise. Thank you for having me on. Oh uh, yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, let's talk Star Trek. So, guys, here's the thing. There isn't a whole lot of news going right now, which is really strange when you think about it because we've got all this new discovery coming out, you know, and it's weird when there's not a whole lot of news, except what is news is just talking about discovery. And so we've had several of our actor friends from the show out there talking to the media about discovery and their thoughts and such. So we're going to touch on that. And also we have a bit of new product news. There's some new merchandise out there that's related to discovery in action figures. And we'll touch on that later too. So there's, it's, it's all discovery in this episode, unless you guys have something else you want to talk, you know, bring up any other Star Trek stuff, but it's, it's all about discovery right now. That being said, Doug Jones, he's jumping into the future. Yes. The man who plays Saru, Captain Saru, that is. And if you haven't watched episode three of season three, well, there's your spoiler. So, (laughs) (laughs) but we kind of saw that in the trailers anyway. So, but Doug Jones, spoke with Collider. They interviewed him and this is what he said, quote, and I'm not going to do the voice of Doug Jones. So quote, the show has massively changed. We are boldly going where no Star Trek series has gone before. And that was a permanent jump to the future, 930 years. So not just a couple of years, we went to the whole new era with a new set of rules, new customs, new everything. What this did for the writers though We were playing 10 years before the original series 
in the first two seasons. We started having to adhere to canon and making sure everything we were doing didn't affect later seasons in canon and storylines that have been already filmed. Now we've jumped ahead to where the writers have freedom to create from the ground up. That's exciting, and we'll explore new worlds and new creatures, and of course, the nostalgia of all the species you know already. Okay, so here's the thing. I get him saying all this about, oh, you know, it frees us up, and I've heard this talked about before. The canon, it gets us away from all that, and we can explore and do things on our own, and we're like, you know, tied down to this canon thing. But the thing is, it's like, well, isn't that what they're going to do with Strange New Worlds? I mean, they're in that same situation. <laughs> I mean, they're just less than 10 years from the original series, and they're going to be held down. So you're telling me you can't be, like, creative enough with stories that you have to jump it to the future? I mean, I don't know. That just, it kind of bothers me a little. Yeah, I, I do wonder about the Strange New Worlds question. That's kind of... You know, everyone's very excited about Pike and number one in this series. And and I am too. I really love their dynamic. I'm really excited to see that show and, and see more of them. But yeah, this has always been in the back of my mind is if they had difficulty with discovery and decided that they didn't want to deal with that, that problem, I think, becomes more so when you're talking about Pike and the Enterprise, which is more closely tied to the canon that we've seen in the past. So, you know, I I mean, I have faith in the writers. I think they're going to come up with, with some really interesting ideas and make it all fit within canon and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, it, it worries me when I hear that as the reason that they move Discovery forward to the future. I'm like, it shouldn't, that shouldn't be why. It should be because we have exciting ideas for stories set a thousand years from now, which I think is also part of it. But for some reason with the media, they play up this idea that like, oh, we were tied down with canon and now we're free. And I'm like, I, I don't think that's the best reason. And I, I don't think that's the only reason. But it, it does make me question things like Strange New Worlds. And I think it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic between Strange New Worlds and Discovery, depending on the writer's perspective. Because I feel like there's two different types of writers. Ones who want free reign to make their mark, and others that enjoy the challenge of weaving into an already created tapestry to add in their own stories. And there is massive enjoyment in both of those. You just have to be the person who likes one over the other. So I'm hoping with Strange New Worlds they actually find writers who are heavy Star Trek fans, who have seen every series, who understand the implications of these stories that they're going to be telling, and are up for that challenge. Whereas Discovery vs. Writers, I think they, they were willing to try it, but they're more of the, we're Discovery, we're a new Star Trek, we want to do what we're going to do and pave our own path. Which isn't bad, it just didn't fit well with being the predecessor to uh, the original series. And what I hear from these comments about putting it into the future to get away from canon is that the creators and the showrunners are saying, you know what, we kind of came into Discovery because it was supposed to be different people doing this, mm -hmm. and they chose to make this 10 years before TOS, where we would have preferred to move it past Voyager, you know, sometime after that, and... Now we found a way that we can do that, but with Picard on, that puts some shackles on us too if we were to put it that far. So if we put it really, really, really far out, then we can do whatever we want to do. That's almost what no I No one hear. can touch us. <laughs> right, mm -hmm. exactly. But it is funny when you have strange new worlds coming. 
I almost want to say to them, why should I watch Strange New Worlds? Because, you know, your your hands are tied with, with canon. You guys already said, you know, it's not going to be as good if it's, you know, that close to the TOS, you know. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the the media push is. Like, it, it's kind of clear that there's a bit of a, a direction from on high as to the comments that actors and, and people behind the scenes are supposed to be making to the media about the new season of Discovery. So I'm really curious, as we get closer to Strange New Worlds coming, what that direction is going to be and how they're going to be telling the actors on the show to spin it when they have to talk to people like Collider and E.T. and stuff like that. So it, it, it's going to be a different narrative. I, I think we'll not hear a lot about canon. We'll instead hear about, you know, I don't know. My guess is like classic Star Trek, Planet of the Week, adventure. Like that's going to be like, let's focus on that and not bring this part of it up. <laughs> and we're going to learn more about Spock that we never knew of before. We're exploring his past, you know, because mm-hmm. that's the challenge there. To your point, like this is more tied yeah. to canon, especially with Spock. I mean, Spock is so well developed. It's like, what more can you do with them? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and we'll get another two, three year delay on the autobiography of Mr. Spock book because <laughs> you keep like, oh, shoot, now there's more. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing about the autobiography of Catherine Janeway that's out by Una McCormick is that, well, we also find out that Janeway is going to be in Prodigy and I'm sure that's not in the book. So mm-hmm. like, you know, we're yeah. getting into these weird situations now when we have new content coming on screen when it relates to books. So, but we'll talk to Una about that later. Cause she's, she's going to be on a future episode here talking about her book. I already have that written down as a question. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So then we have uh, David Ajala. He spoke with entertainment tonight, better known as ET phone home. And uh, he plays book on discovery. And uh, he had this to say about his character. And by the way, anybody, I mean, there's things here that I'm not going to say they're spoilers, but they're very light spoilers. If you don't want to know anything that's coming up on future discovery, then don't listen to this, but it's very light. But anyway, he says, uh, this season is about identity and it's about people finding their identity or reestablishing understanding their identity in unfamiliar territory. Booker is someone who is having to reassess certain things about his own identity, and that only comes about because of the first meeting with Michael Burnham. Throughout the season, we will see more of his backstory being unraveled. And there are specific episodes where it's fully Book's world, going to where he came from, which I am really excited about. There's one specific episode where we take him home. So we're going to the Book home. Interesting. I, I like that. There's hints in that first episode, too, about his family and, and what they're like. So I'm, I'm curious if we'll see that because they're very much unlike books. So this sounds really fascinating. I think it would work well if they're trying to reestablish the Federation to go after a family of poachers where they know they are and they know they could probably stop them and help out a friend in the meantime. So I'm hoping they take that route. That'd be nice to see. Yeah, can you remember that scene when he takes the the creature to that planet to reunite with its species and how colorful the world was with the red yes. leaves and it, you like color in your episodes. It was beautiful. I love seeing the colorful the colorful side of Trek. 
because it's sci-fi. You're going to different planets. You can make the leaves red or you can make them purple. And it's just so vibrant and it shows the life and the optimism. And that's why I love that scene in the reunification of this animal with its species is it is happy. They're doing some good. And I, you know, Star Trek is good. So hopefully that will, we'll see more colorful leaves in the future. <laughs> <laughs> when you see things like that, a different planet, when you see all the leaves, a certain color, being a meteorologist, how do you, when you see stuff like that, does your mind start working about the environment? Oh, it totally does. Because ever since I started watching Star Trek, I'm thinking, okay, they have to have like a meteorologist, right? You have to plan the away missions. You have to make sure that the weather's good. They have to wear jackets, sort of, you know, things like that. And when I see these new planets, I see these new species, and I instantly think, oh, there must be an aquifer there. It's not a desert climate. It's just subconsciously that I've been thinking about the weather for so long. It just happens. <laughs> yeah, my daughter says she wants to be a fashion designer and everything she looks at she says she can't help but think of fashion and it's just exactly i i don't have that problem <laughs> yeah well you don't think about podcasts with everything that you see no but i think of star trek and everything i see oh no, there you go not even yeah, that. there you go not really <laughs> well anyway but i'm i'm excited to see about uh the home planet a book because I love the fact that taking this character in a direction of not being from Earth, but still being human. Plus, he has that special ability where he's communicating with nature and, and these species and stuff. And I'm curious to see more about that. So I, I was just pleasantly happy to hear uh, Burnham say he's human, but he's not from Earth and that he's never been to Earth. Mm -hmm. He still hasn't put his feet on the planet yet, you know? And I so. wonder, you know, I hope we get that story behind his name, Cleveland Booker, because there's a story there, like Burnham says. <laughs> his family's from Cleveland. <laughs> I would I would be so disappointed if that was just the, the entire backstory. We're from Cleveland. <laughs> or what the, about or the, it? <laughs> the only piece of, like, uh, relics from the past that they have of past culture are, like, episodes of the Drew Carey show, and they sing Cleveland Rocks or something. That's, that's probably it. <laughs> Or they're big Cleveland Browns fans. They're there you still go. playing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, why not? And they like to read books. So they gave him the nickname Book, you know. Even there though his last go. name's Booker, it's just a coincidence. <laughs> you know, that just shows you right now, this is probably what goes on in the writer's room. These kind of conversations. And they're probably joking about it. But every once in a while when they're joking about something, they might say, but you know what? That actually would be kind of cool. Let's go ahead and put that in there. They're from Cleveland. Why not call his son, <laughs> the son Cleveland? Like, why not? <laughs> oh, gosh. I would, I would have questions if that were the case. <laughs> okay. So Entertainment Tonight also spoke with Blue Del Barrio about her character of Adira. So I'm just going to... The like they've referred to the character with the pronouns her, but but Blue Dalbario goes by oh, they them. True. Sorry, that's, true. that's, that's true. what I was wondering. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting too that the character goes by her, and they brought in a char a actor who goes by they them. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that the character will too. They're just going to correct somebody at some point, and it's going to be a teaching moment. That's my guess. I don't know, but well, and that's a good point because. You know, when we made the announcement about them coming onto the series, you're right. Blue refers to themselves as them, they, whatever. 
And but in the episode, I was surprised that the character of Adira was referred to as her and she. So now I'm talking about this actor, her and she, (laughs) even though they go by they and not him and her and whatever. It's like I'm so confused right now. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing about this Entertainment Tonight interview, because Blue says that they've been exploring themselves for a while. So here's a quote. The whole year before I got this job, I was struggling a lot with trying to understand who I was and struggling a lot with my gender. I was questioning a lot of things and I started auditioning for non-binary roles because I knew I wasn't cisgender and I was trying to figure myself out. I kept getting drawn into wanting to play non-binary role probably because I wanted to be able to explore myself that way, but I wasn't really telling anyone about it. So getting this job and getting to play Adira was really overwhelming at first, but overall a massive blessing because it allowed me to explore myself. I've grown alongside Adira. It's a really strange way for it to happen, but I'm so glad it has. It's given me a community of people here who are incredibly supportive of me. Wilson, Anthony, and Ian Alexander we'll see later is the trail are my rocks here and they've helped me through a lot of stuff and I couldn't go through it myself alone. So I like the idea that the character is going on the same journey. Like they're doing this together. Mm -hmm. So when we see Adira refer to her and she, that tells me blue was referred to as her and she, and we're going through that journey of going to the, and them. Uh, not the, but they and them. I was just like, like, you know, some kind of Shakespearean, the, I am the, whatever. (laughs) But here's what uh, Blue says later about the pronouns. The use of these pronouns were really important to me. I care a lot about an accurate representation of Indira and trans representation, especially because I wasn't fully out to allow my family and some of my friends still, I didn't feel comfortable right off the bat having everyone use they, them pronouns for Indira because I wasn't out to everyone yet. So I wanted to wait until really I was until I was in a place where I could talk to my family and friends and tell them who I was. At that point, I could then feel that this was now an accurate way for me to represent Indira on screen as well because I'm there too. I didn't want to rush it. I didn't want to put pressure on myself. So it sounds like, Dan, to your point, we're going to get Indira discovering themselves and referring to themselves as they and them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's a natural progression because if you see the character on the show, the way they present your assumption when you meet that person would be she, her. And I think that's an interesting, if this is where they're going and it sounds like it, that's an interesting learning thing for people in the audience who maybe don't have non-binary or don't have trans friends, for example, Uh, To kind of learn like, oh, you know, this, this correcting on pronouns, it doesn't have to be a big, huge deal. It's just helping people feel comfortable about who they are and that sort of thing. So I I think seeing that character be able to grow into that, I I think that's a really interesting journey uh, to see and, 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 you know, whether that plays out the way we've speculated or not, I, I think that's an interesting way to go. And with the symbiont, of course, you add in the previous lives of the trill that were hosting them. So if like, you want to change your identity, of course, adding in all these other personalities could impact how you feel you are. 
So I think they have a really good way of going after a subject that is very much a hot button topic in current society and normalizing it and making it like, this is why this is happening. This person feels this. This is why we're going with this. Mm -hmm. And it's a very nice progression. It's not... Sometimes I get very frustrated with TV shows that throw in the token character who's from the LGBTQ community. And it's they put them in just for the sake of representation, which they do need to be represented. But give them a story. Explain why they did this. Because that takes away the questions that people have of, well, why, why, why do some people select to do this? If you explain it, it helps with understanding. And understanding leads to being just a nice person, <laughs> in mm-hmm. my opinion. So the more you understand, the better it's going to be. And the more you're going to help people who watch the show to understand current events. Yeah. Yeah. And, and bringing up the trill aspect, too, I was just thinking of this now, that adds another layer to the they, them pronouns, because a lot of people hear plural when they hear they, them. And what is a trill other than Ooh. plural, right? This yeah. person has multiple lives and multiple personalities that's interesting i i hadn't really thought of that yeah i hadn't either that is a good point yeah but yeah i mean the i i love how this is playing out because in this interview blue talks about the parallels of taking you know and and convincing the writers to have this character take the same journey that they're taking in their life And there's one quote in here says, I didn't want to make Indira somebody who was 100% confident in how they wanted to present themselves to the world because I wasn't there yet either. So we're taking this journey between Blue and Indira. And as Indira figures out who they are, then all of a sudden, I wonder what, how that plays out in the future, you know, because nowadays people are going to react differently in this situation than they would in the future. I think in the future, of course, they're going to be supportive, but is it just going to be, oh, you know, congratulations, that's great, and everybody's supportive, and it's it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm really hoping, because the the aspect of real-life meeting character going on the same journey, that is going to make it feel even more authentic, and that'll hopefully help people who are going through the same thing. I'm I'm always of two minds of things because I, I love the idea that we're in the future of in Star Trek. So you get characters like Stamets and Culber, and it's not even remarked upon. It's just an aspect of their their lives. They go off and have adventures that are unrelated to the fact that they're in a same-sex relationship. It's just not a big deal. Um, but at the same time, you know, yes, the show takes place in the 23rd and then now the 32nd century, but it's also a television show made for people in the 21st century who maybe don't have that understanding or that same level of, uh, I hate the word tolerance, but I don't know what else to say there. So I, I think there is some, you know, handholding, some explanation needed for audiences but at the same time, I, I do want to see that reflected that like, yeah, this is no big deal. This is just how things are. And everyone's really accepting of that and kind of modeling that for the viewers in the 21st century who maybe aren't there yet, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's that delicate balance of, OK, this is a 21st century show, 
but it's also taking place in the future. And so we want it to, we want to respond to it in a future way, but we also have to make it make sense for the viewer today to understand, you know, whatever, without being too foreign. And that's just about on anything, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's times I think in the future, when we're watching Star Trek, we're hearing them speak English, but for all I know, standard really is a, evolved language from English or some other language here on earth, but we're just seeing it on screen as English so we can understand it. Yeah. And especially now in the 32nd century, like, you know, their, their, their language would be so far different. Like think a thousand years ago, what English was like, no, (laughs) you're, you wouldn't understand anything. So yeah, it's, yeah, but I mean, it's a give and take. It's just a TV show, right? William Shatner had to remind us of that. It's just a TV show. <laughs> sure. Yes, Bill, but it's also a paycheck for you. So be happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of paychecks, if you got paid this week and you want to buy something, there is something available now because Mego has come out with new action figures. And, okay, I remember these Mego figures from when I was a kid back in the, like, whatever. And, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I thought they were kind of cheap then. <laughs> Actually, my brother, I just remembered this. I think my brother had a Spock Mego figure. I didn't, but I think he did. May have had a Captain Kirk one. But I remember going and playing at a friend's house who had the little bridge set with the transporter and you turned it around and made it look like they disappeared or whatever. Anyway, uh, we got new figures coming out. And the first one to mention may be the first Mego figure I ever buy because it's Saru. And I'm like, if any time I'm going to get a Mego figure, it's at my age now. And I want to be Saru. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking exactly the same thing. I've never been a fan of the like, you know, I I, I know they hold a special place in a lot of uh, fans hearts, but I'm going to say, you know, maybe a little blasphemy, but I always thought they were a little cheap looking. I didn't really like them, that kind of thing. This Saru one, though, like, I really like it. And then the cloth discovery uniform, I'm kind of on board with this. Like, I kind of <laughs> really want this. I'm looking at the pictures of it. And it's actually really well detailed and well painted as well. Yeah. Like, sometimes you get those action figures where you can tell they just had, like, this bulk spray paint assembly line. This one actually looks like it. they put time into it. Yeah, it looks really good. It does. It, this isn't anything I'm going to display. This is actually what I'm going to play with. so i had a mego superman when i was a kid that was my mego figure and i flew that guy all over the place uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fly saru everywhere maybe occasionally (laughs) just for fun but uh, but yeah i i mean yeah it's not like these are high quality figures i mean you still might want to display them of course and you might want to keep it in the packaging and all that but i'm just saying it's not like these are like high-end detailed figures but for Mego, for what it is it does look really good mm-hmm. one thing that i have to wonder is how is it going to stand up because they have saru's boots the ones that look like they're defying the laws of physics yeah so oh, yeah. is it going to balance well or is it going to be one of those action figures that just face plants every five seconds <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why this just popped in my head but when you're saying about Sh- saru's boots i thought if i could get a mega figure from one of the band members from kiss 
because they got strange boots, I would put those boots on Saru and have him wear <laughs> Kiss boots because they're very similar and put the Saru boots on Gene Simmons of Kiss. This is really old school now. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> or Ace Fraley. Maybe I'll put on Ace Fraley. Anyway, that's a whole nother thing. So, okay, we also have Next Generation. <laughs> but by the way, when I was growing up, I... I was into like, you know, geeky stuff. My brother was into Kiss. That's why I know so much about Kiss. <laughs> so uh, not only did my brother have those figures, but he didn't have these. These are coming out now, too. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just looked at the Jean-Luc Picard one. And he looks so pissed off. <laughs> yeah, his <laughs> jaw is so like, he's like clenching. I, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> Yeah, his, Imagine his cue just popped up and he's like, what? <laughs> exactly. His cheekbones are more pronounced than Saru's. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, he really does. He looks like he's ready to attack. <laughs> <laughs> he's been working on that contouring. Just mm, spot oh, on. But yeah, we're getting uh, Picard and Data from the TNG years. So those, yeah, those uniforms. two came out this past summer. Those are the, the old ones. Oh, those came out this summer. Well, no wonder he's pissed off because <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> uh, okay, so those are out. Yes, earlier this summer they came out, and it says they're expanding into the next generation with Q in the judge robes and also the cutest of Borg. And you know what? He looks more pissed off as Jean Luc than he does <laughs> the cutest of Borg. What is going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he looks kind of. Like at ease as Locutus. That's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, this Q one, I, I actually really like this one as well. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I might be coming around on the Mego figures. Like this one's not bad. I don't know. There's something about the red cloth with a white cuff that instantly made me think, why does Q have a Santa Claus hat? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I mean, the Q1 does look pretty good, that robe and everything. Again, but the Jean-Luc Picard one, I think I just need to get just, just because he makes he cracks me up for some reason. It's going to haunt you. It really is. <laughs> just keep it by your work desk, and anytime you don't do work, look up at it and feel the judgment. It makes you get back on track. Well, it says here that these are debuting at select Walmart stores in the United States. No. What? <laughs> so wait, they, they take a map of the United States and they select certain Walmart. We'll put one in this one, this one, this one. Just <laughs> these people, the people in Spokane are really, really geeky. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure, of course, you can find them online somewhere. But yeah, okay. And it does say they will debut at Walmart and they'll be coming to online retailers in weeks following and in the UK, the Discovery figures will launch at BMM stores. So there you go. So you can find them out in the wilderness, but I bet it's going to be hard to find. I will be checking out Walmart just to see. So these are coming out. Let's see. I, I see here that Commander Michael Burnham and Captain Christopher Pike, that was announced. Those are coming out in first quarter of 2021. So it looks like that's when the rest of these are coming out too. But to Dan's point, Pissed off Picard is already out there <laughs> with data. You can already find pissed off Picard. Yep. <laughs> well, that just about covers all the Star Trek news this week. <laughs> anything else going on that you guys want to talk Star Trek related? Have you done anything exciting? 
anything exciting. That hasn't happened since February. <laughs> I've been basically a hermit. <laughs> yeah, nothing big Star Trek for me other than watching Discovery every week and loving it. So, but yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you something, Katie, because, you know, you're on a morning newscast and I watched you live online the other day, as you know, and you were talking about Halloween costumes. And you said one time as a kid, you dressed up as Red Power Ranger just because you weren't into Power Rangers. You just thought it looked cool. Oh, yeah. I had no idea what the show was. And I have this distinct memory of my parents getting a photo shoot because, you know, kid, little kids, you want these cute pictures. And they did a Halloween section. So there's my brother who I think was like a pumpkin or something. And then there's just me in this red Power Ranger costume. And for some reason, that one was the one that stuck with me all the way through until now. And I've still never seen Power Rangers. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I am such a sham when it comes to my co Halloween costumes. Now, how did you ever wear a Star Trek costume for Halloween? I did the first year I saw Star Trek. It was like uh, probably 2009. I went online and I bought one of the, the next generation jumpsuits because they were still readily available. And I didn't realize I, I could not get my sizing right. So it was about probably an extra large on a person who was maybe a medium frame. <laughs> And I just, it was the baggiest cosplay. I've not worn it since, and I've burned most of the pictures. <laughs> it just looks so bad. So you were baggy Starfleet uniform. Very. I, I was like, you're in a shipwreck, and there's only one uniform left. And you just kind of grab it and hope that it stays on. I'm going to say that for that Halloween, you were dressed as a uh, Mego action figure yeah, there we go because <laughs> their uniforms exactly aren't always that for. perfectly tight they're a little baggy you know <laughs> this one I, I could have filled it up with my halloween candy and maybe look a little buff like it was it was so bad it was like a snuggie the equivalent of a star trek snuggie <laughs> oh there's a market for that yeah there we go someone it on etsy is. get on it <laughs> it's probably out there we just don't know it <laughs> but dan what about you did you ever dress star trek for halloween uh, I have. Yes. Actually, I remember now I, I grade four or five. I was, I was really young and I had my mom make me, uh, an original series movie uniform, like the monster maroon. And it was, it was like this long, long sleeved red shirt and put like black ribbon on it to make the thing and a belt with little plastic cutouts to be the, the badge and stuff. Uh, I was, I loved that uniform. My mom put a ton of work into it. And I think I was specifically wanting to be Scotty uh, from the movies because I had picked out this little fake mustache to wear, which I ended up not wearing because it really annoyed me. Like I tried putting it on and I didn't like it. So I was just generic Starfleet commander in a, in a movie uniform <laughs> with the engineering colors though i was i was very it had to engineer. be the yellow engineering color like it was a very specific <laughs> and you have pictures that you can share with us sometime ah not that i know of i, I take a page from my book burn them all <laughs> yeah shoot i kind of wish i did i don't i i've looked through albums fairly recently and I don't recall seeing pictures of that uniform, which is too bad. Oh, man. I would love, and I know you said you didn't do the mustache, but I would have loved to have seen that with a mustache. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Yeah. No, there's definitely, I think I had it on for all of about three seconds. And I was like, nope, I don't like it. It feels weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you guys are better than me. I don't think, I don't recall ever doing a Star Trek costume for Halloween. I wasn't big into Star Trek as a kid. I mean, I kind of liked it and I played Star Trek with friends and stuff. But I mean, one year I was Luke Skywalker. Another year I was C-3PO. But that was from another franchise. It begins with Star. (laughs) I was other things. I was Snoopy one year too. You know, I mean, I was a bunch of different things, of course. We all were, right? It's never too late for you to do it. Absolutely. Hand out candy. I know. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't have a Starfleet uniform, but I have thought about it many times. I just haven't done it. I haven't cosplayed. I don't cosplay, period. So, well, if you want a red Next Generation one that's an extra large, I have you covered. <laughs> <laughs> that works. There you go. Send it on. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a little Halloween treat for this episode, even though it's a few days after Halloween as you guys are listening. But as we're recording it, it's Halloween. So, yeah. Spooky times. So I'm going to finish up this recording and eat my Kit Kat. But before we do that, Katie, where can people find you online? Well, people can find me on Twitter at weather underscore Katie. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at weather underscore Katie. It's pretty, pretty uniform. I'm surprised no one took it. Uh, And then I'm also on YouTube. I have a channel called So Many Fandoms. And that's where you can find all my fun, geeky content. Okay, Dan, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Productions. You can find the show on Twitter at Positively Trek. Please follow us there. Uh, we need more followers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm just going to be honest here. I want more followers for the podcast Twitter. I'm, I'm going to be shameless here. So follow us there. <laughs> And you can find me following Positively Trek on Twitter as Admiral underscore Rex, where I am on Twitter. And you can find me occasionally on the Star Wars Report, which looks like we're on this week, Dan, talking about the first episode of The Mandalorian Season 2. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) And listen, I don't know if anybody uh, listening right now listens to the Star Wars Report. I don't know what's going on for sure, but Riley's got some things coming up that prevent him from doing that many episodes for the next couple months so he's asking me to occasionally fill in so i'm filling in this week i don't know if i'm filling again when or whatever but i might rope in katie on the next one so heck yeah oh yeah it's gotta geek out about baby yoda right oh my gosh yes (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks everyone for joining us until next time you know what i want you to do I want you to stay positive. I love it. It ended just in time for the Michigan-Michigan State football game to start. (laughs) Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.